This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hi everybody, my name is Emily Turton and I'm here speaking to Ian and Gemma on the Big Scuba Podcast and we're going to be talking about all things Scapa Flow and um, about us and me and my diving and my boat husking. Hello and welcome back to the Big Scuba Podcast. This is episode 66, Gemma. Yeah. Uh, thank you for downloading. Now, if you're with us for the first time, hey, welcome. We'll try and uh, win your support and so you keep with us. So uh, welcome to the party. So my name is Ian and with me on the, the Zoom is... Gemma in Pigfield on Zoom. On Zoom, yes. Um, so we're back and uh, this time we have a guest, uh, which is really good. Who we got coming up on the Big Scoop podcast? We have got Emily and she is the helm of the most qualified dive boat skipper in Scapa Flow, which is in the Orkney Islands. Yeah, she certainly is. And um, looking forward, I've been wanting to talk to Emily for about the last year, really. We sort of like um, do one thing and another and, um, you know, lockdowns and stuff. And they got delayed. So, um, you know, I think, where's this year gone? I know, it's a year since we started lockdown. I know. Is it yeah, how time flies? Yeah. Yeah. So you might have heard of Emily. Um, you might know it as uh, from the Huskian uh, ship that she has up in Scapa that she takes divers out and takes them out on tours and uh, different diving trips. She's got a lovely boat up there, up in the Orkney Islands. And um, yeah, very experienced, very experienced diver, tech diver, and um, yeah, we should be talking to her very shortly. Yeah, so that's good. So, what else have we been up to? Well, some exciting news that we've got coming up um, that we can, I think, we can now share with, with everybody. So, we, you know, we like to evolve. This podcast has always been evolving all the way, isn't it? You know, we we used to have little chats, little big chats, and. Uh, the YouTube is evolving and what have you. It's all part of growing, mm. you know. And as part of that, um, we have invited on, and we are absolutely um, bowled over by a new part of our um, podcast and uh, a new guest who's going to be joining us every couple of weeks yeah, to build questions and answer questions. Um, particularly for the new divers and the people who are thinking about diving and uh, maybe even the salty sea dogs divers who have been diving for years if you've got questions we, we we're all inclusive on the on the big scuba so everybody doesn't feel left out um, but yeah if you've got any questions fire them in and who's going to be answering them is rosemary lunn or ros lunn as most people know her yes yeah so um, if you've uh, been diving, uh, new divers may not know who she is, to be fair. No. But if you uh, work in the industry, if, you, um, if you've been in, if you're a diver for a number, number of years, perhaps, you have come across her name, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Roz is one of the founders of Eurotech. Um, she often appears on our friends over in America on Scuba Radio. 
uh, with them and uh, often talking about scuba diving and how it's going in the UK. And um, yeah, she's very experienced. Um, she's been involved in Oztech um, over down there in Australia. And uh, what else? Founder of the underwater marketing marketing company. Yeah, yeah. She's just an all round. She knows an awful lot, if not everything, about the diving industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there's going to be much. You know, she won't know. And uh, so I will say to you, you know, uh, make use of this feature because, you know, she's uh, very lovely given her us, her time. Mm. And, um, you know, so do use this feature, um, you know, and it's there for your, you know, for you. It's there for you to phone in, WhatsApp, you've got the back phone, you've got that. You can email us, you can through social media, send them questions in and we'll pass them on. And uh, she'll be giving you those answers. Yeah, doesn't matter how silly you think your question is, if you're a very new diver or baby diver, as Ros puts it, or even thinking about diving, just ask whatever question comes straight into your head. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and we'll put them to it. And I'm, you know, uh, well, we're both excited, aren't we? Because yeah. I think, you know, that's going to be that's going to be really good for us. And um, uh, yeah, and. You know, hopefully we'll then we'll get her on the show actually to do a proper interview as well at some yes, stage. Yeah, we will. So, uh, but you can actually. Uh, she's just Ros literally just done a podcast episode with our other good friend Tech Clark. Yeah, on the um, dive blocker. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, look out for that episode that just aired last week, I believe. Yeah, it's quite recent. So, yeah. That, and then you'll hear what Ros has got to say about English diving compared to the American diving. So it's really interesting. Yeah, so she's she, um, got a couple of really interesting stories about how she started diving and, yeah. you know, and uh, virtually kind of learned the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> what it's all about. But yeah, so that's why she's obviously offered to come on and yeah answer some questions that maybe she wished she'd asked or had somebody had told her at the time when they were diving yeah yeah and also um you know we are coming out of the lockdown in the uk and uh, so maybe you've got some questions about that you know about your, your dive gear anything like that you know far away we want to hear from you and um you know let's let's put Ros to the test and uh <laughs> Let's see, see what she know. I'm sure she won't mind. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, give us give it a go. And yeah, just get your questions in in the next uh, week. And then we'll yeah, have them ready. I'm excited because I think that's going to be good, be good for us. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be brilliant. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. And we'll learn something as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jem, how are you keeping fit at the minute? Well, we are doing daily WODs, workouts of the day with Great Yarmouth yeah. CrossFit. So that's been going since late December and we've stuck at it and we definitely have improved, which is great. Yeah, our 5K time has come on as well. It has, yeah. So we're doing that as well. So it's hard last Sunday though, wasn't it? Because like, the old wind was blowing against us. Nice. Easterly wind on the East Coast. <laughs> You got to experience yeah. that round your knees, didn't you? <laughs> Mind you, if, if you live around New York and uh, around that way, that the wind around there. I've done the Staten Island ferry and um, a few years ago, and the wind coming across 
that water there, um, the Hudson, and oh my word, I cut you in half. So although it was cold on Sunday, I would say it still wasn't as cold as then. So, no, uh, and we did really well because we bested yeah. our time. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. smidgen. We we were just working on it. I class myself as a non-runner, to be honest. So uh, get getting there. So uh, dive for fitness and all that business. But if you're a follower of CrossFit, um, CrossFit, just uh, their open games are going on at the moment as we speak. And uh, 21.2 has literally just come out on the uh, Western board time. So that's out now for everybody to have a look at. If you're new to CrossFit, go on their website, go and have a look as well. So it's a great way of keeping fit. Yeah, and you literally just pay, I think it's just $20 to enter. You only have to do three workouts and you don't have to have any equipment to do it and you'll get ranked throughout the world with all the other competitors. I know, that's, which is a bit weird, isn't it? I know. <laughs> I think we're currently, I don't know, it's like five figures. <laughs> yeah. 10,000 and something. Yeah. I'm just at the bottom of the page, yeah. It's all that it's about taking part that counts. Every, every, that's right. Everyone's special. Everyone's a winner in their own way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we had fun doing it. And if you, you've got to have fun to do these things. So yeah, yeah, you said, yeah. yeah. And we'll be we'll be starting um some CrossFit outside yeah. with small numbers um in the next couple of weeks as well. So yeah, good to hear. Yeah, it is. So uh that'll do for now. I think that's time we're it's nearly time to get Emily on. So uh, we know that's no more holding ups and uh, us running on. Shall we uh, get our guest on? Yeah, we'll open the door and let Emily into our Zoom room. Okay, let's do it. How's it going so far? (laughs) Sweet failing. It's for a chat. I've come to my boat because my house is a building site and there's loads of noise going on. (laughs) The wheelhouse. That's great for you. Yeah. yeah. So, so whereabouts are you then? So what what we got behind you? Um. So this is Stromness behind me. Um. You can see that's the town. Oh, hang on. Uh, that's the town hall. Yeah. <laughs> Over my shoulder, the red building. That's Scapa Scuba, the local dive shop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Right by my ear, that's my house. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the boat from my living room window, which is good on stormy nights. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So how big is the boat? Um, well, she's 16 metres long, but she's sort of three storeys high. Okay. Um, she's actually now probably the shortest of the dive boats here, but she's, because we built her, she's really fat. Um, she's six metres wide and with my wheelhouse is, is the top floor, the top deck, yeah. and I've got two more decks below. So yeah, she's, they're all, all the boats here are pretty big in comparison to, um, to south boat south coast boats you know yeah yeah um yeah so i i had a conversation with a man about a compressor this morning about to get a price to quote for a new compressor and i said i don't want the big blue box that you want to sell this to me in that you see in a dive shop i said i want um i want just the pump i'm going to put it in my boat and he said what's like what size pump are you interested in and i told him and he said um oh it's very big i said it, it's not a dinghy <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how people have preconceived ideas of what you say when you want to be on a boat (laughs) 
helpful, but it, it came out that he, um, he'd, uh, yeah, he'd, he'd not long been selling that type of compressor, so I don't think he dealt with any. <laughs> if you're sitting comfortably, shall we begin? Why not? I'm ready. Bring it on. Right. So, Emily Turton. Emily Turton is a technical diver, dive boat skipper and lecturer in Mar maritime studies based in Orkney, a group of islands off the top of Scotland. She can usually be found aboard her purpose boat, purpose built boat, the MV Huskin. Yes, here I am. Welcome to the Big <laughs> Scuba podcast. Online is myself, Ian, Gemma and Emily. So, Emily... Uh, welcome to the Big Scuba. Tell us a bit more about you and, um, you know, for people who don't know you, tell us about how you got into scuba diving. Okay, well, um, yeah, you, you've already told people what I am. I'm a dive boat skipper up here in Orkney and the main focus of our business is diving the wrecks of um, Scapa Flow to the World War One German fleet. Um, I'm a trained opera singer who came to Orkney on holiday for a week in 2003. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I trained as a classical singer at university. Um, and then came for a week on holiday in Orkney uh, to see my mum, who'd already moved up here, and I haven't gone home yet. And that was 17 years ago. <laughs> That's brilliant. So uh, so we're going to go out with a song? <laughs> uh, uh, maybe. It's been a while. <laughs> um, so I came up here with very few dives. I just I tried scuba diving. I'd not, you know, literally a handful of dives, that was all. Um, and I thought, well, my mum lives by the sea. I'm going to visit her. There must be some diving. That's literally, that was as little as I knew. Um, got in touch with the local dive school that was here to say, hi, I can dive. <laughs> you know, I've got nine whole dives to my name. Can Ooh. I come to Scapa? <laughs> and they said I could go to the Churchill Barriers. So that's what I did, which is the shore diving, the, the better of the shore diving up here. So I came here for a couple of weeks and um, then saw my mum and then didn't go home. And I did, I did really the rest of my training up here. Uh, and then I was bought, I bought a house, thought that'd be a good idea. Coming from London, it was that, you know, the prices here were like, brilliant, I can buy a massive house. <laughs> um, and then I stayed, so I thought I was bored. I thought I'd go to boat school and learn how to drive a boat. Which meant I got a bit of paper that said I could. Not, I wouldn't say I, I really knew what I was doing and then slowly worked my way up. Uh, we bought, I bought, bought into my first boat with my partner, Ben, in 2005. That was a, a much smaller wooden converted fishing boat. And then in 2013, we decided we'd build Huskin uh, and she was finished ready for the 2015 season. Wow. So she six this year. What and made then, you um, build, build it rather than buy a, you know, ready-made one? Um, well, there wasn't really a ready-made boat that would fit our specification. And I, um, to be honest with you, uh, as soon as you said you want this to be lighthearted, I, we never really, you know, we had this idea of what our perfect dive boat would be, you know, but yeah. I thought that was sort of pie in the sky. I never costed it or worked out, can you actually do that? Um, and then in August, 2013, Bob Anderson, who skippers, well, he was the skipper of the Holton. He's got a new boat now, the Casino. So he's up here as well, very good guy. Um, he came out diving with us for a weekend. He got back from, I don't know, he'd been Norway somewhere and he'd, he'd got a week off. And he proceeded to tell me how small the Radiant Queen was and how she was too small for what I wanted to do with uh, what I was doing with her. And it really annoyed me. And I say, that's nothing like a woman scorned. So I bothered my ass to find out whether we could build one. And by that November, she was ordered. Wow. <laughs> 
So where did the name come from? Uh, names, it's an Orcadian name. Uh, I see it was a whole new, we never built a boat, so the whole process was new to us. And we had a great naval architect um, who was based in Glasgow and the boat was built on the south coast in um, New Haven. And oh. the guys were great, you know, sort of helping guide us through each stage. So we made the decisions at the right time and didn't, didn't change our minds. Um, and I found out that we, well, we needed to name her, but you needed to have a name that was not anybody the other boat's names to be able to put her on the ship's register. So I thought we'd best yeah. choose something a bit original. So the, it's an Orkney dialect word. Um, so Orkney, or, Orkney uh, traditionally, nobody spoke uh, Gaelic in Orkney. It's not, uh, you know, like you get Gaelic in the Western Isles. Mm. Scots Gaelic and Irish Gaelic, but it's, you know, uh, you know, pretty much the same language. But that never, that was never spoken in Orkney. Um, sort of pre-14th century, you didn't think you were getting a history lesson, did you? Pre-14th century, um, the main spoken language in Orkney would have been Norn, which is like an archaic Norse language. Okay. Um, and then with the reformation of the church in Scotland, Scots English was taught, taught here. So while there isn't a written Orkney language, there's a really strong dialect that's been maintained and is now fiercely protected mm. with the native Orkadians. Uh, so there's, there's books of Orkney dialect words. I thought it'd be really good to give her an Orkadian name. So it means strength. If yeah. You know. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Just sat, I sat down in the bath one day with the two Orkney dictionaries and flicked through them till I found some names I liked. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm sure that's gone down well with the locals, isn't it? It's fishing boats. People building fishing boats here is quite normal. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like local folk, whether they're really directly related to the sea or not, everyone in Orkney is used to being by the sea and by the water. You know, it's definitely a, a seafaring community. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people are used to new uh, fishing boats coming in. And then with the renewable energy um, industry, there's, there was a lot of activity here over recent years. So we get a lot more work boats. So people are used to new boats coming to Orkney, but uh, yeah, a brand new dive boat, I think is pretty new for the country. I don't think anyone's designed and built one from scratch. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite a feat. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with your diving, so obviously you started diving more. So how did you move up through the levels? Uh, so the, the the dive shop that we talked about, the one that's over my head, the yeah. scuba over there, um, they ran a paddy dive school and they had like a TDI and INTD technical centre there when I first came to Orkney. Um, so I just, I did paddy courses there. I arrived with like an advanced open water, but you know, literally nine dives on holiday. So not really... <laughs> <laughs> not doing anything and I, I did rescue diver and I did dive master and I went diving and um, uh, just got got experience up that way and then um, I did a few of the what was suppose a long time ago were considered the deep air technical courses I don't think anybody does extended range anymore do they I think they go on to is it like normoxic trimix type thing yeah. so I did that um, and that was great that was enough for me strapped a twin set on and just went diving um, in between taking other people diving and then um, I, in 2012, 13, tried, uh, yeah, did some rebreather training. Right. A rebreather. Just, I didn't, at the time, I didn't feel like I really needed one. I just wanted a new challenge. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time taking other people diving, but I just wanted something new to do here. So that's been great. And then that's really opened up the world of documenting shipwrecks, not making any bubbles and things like that. So um, I work, I do quite a lot of underwater photography and not, I don't take the pictures, I hold the lights. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we've done a lot of shipwreck documentation since that, whether it be the German fleet or some of the British war graves here. Yeah, um, yeah so that's that's the, my dive in. That's what I do for me. Have and you? I'm, it's about getting other people to see the German fleet. Yeah. Have you predominantly just dived 
round Orkney or have you travelled further afield? Um, predominantly, I've been, well, really, I've been nearly nowhere other than here. <laughs> um, and I think that's that's because we started the business, you know, and our season runs pretty much, it's a long season in Scapa. We're very lucky uh, because it's a big bit of water, but it's not open sea mm. and the boats are much bigger. So we're diving in four sevens. Uh, because the sea state, while it's while it is not like you, the sea state would be on the south coast, and the boats are bigger, so we can we, we're just here for the whole of the rest of the season, and it's a long way from anywhere. And yeah, running a business, so you're you don't get the freedom while you're trying to build that business up to just take time off and go on holidays. So I was supposed to go to Truck in November, but you know, COVID stopped that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we're going to start and go to a few other places. Um, I can't really complain if you're going to get stuck diving one location in the UK. I don't, I don't think you can complain that it's Scapa Flow. No, no, definitely. I, I did a search on the um, on the web, and uh, I, you know, what is the ten best dives in the UK? And Scapa come up second. Lundy was first, and I don't think there's any reasoning for it. I think it's down to searching um algorithms is the only reason why that was the case but it, it you know let's say is is the top one of the top places to dive in the uk isn't it you know and i think um, most people would agree with that i think they should <laughs> yeah i think they would and uh, do you go to like the shetland islands or i don't personally but there are dive boats here that do spend a, either you know each year a chunk of their season or do offer Shetland as a as an option so yeah there's um sometimes boats even go from here to Shetland and take the divers with them but that's a that's a weather risk but yeah right. there's um you see the same boats popping up around Scotland sometimes yeah so did you know anything about Scapa Flow before you came to see your mum no so my mum had um she just she, she'd come on holiday she wanted to go to a Scottish island and they'd just come on holiday and they bought a um they bought a little uh, cottage on an island, one of the Orkney's Northern Islands, and uh, they moved up here, so just randomly. So I'd visited Orkney purely because she lived here. I don't think I would have got here otherwise. And I, I had no idea. I had no idea what Scapa Flow was when I came. I thought, she lives by the sea. There must be some diving. Yeah. <laughs> so I think my interest in history has actually spanned from that. I never studied history at school. And then, yeah, to... The wrecks initially were impressive enough, even if you're not really interested in buying into the historical importance of a World War One German naval fleet, yeah. uh, or even the historical importance of Scapa Flow as a maritime base. Um, the wrecks are impressive enough, but then you know, with time, the, it, I I think it's just added value to really understand their historical importance. And then some people come and they're big bits of metal, but they're just a massive haven for marine life. So, you know, we get the people that really really like the squidgy stuff as I call it, <laughs> um, and, and, but it, yeah, they, they can get just as much out of a big hunk of metal because it's covered in marine life as well. So for me, they tickle the boxes. Yeah, sounds amazing. Yeah. Unless you want 20 metre visibility and, and 25 degree water, then it's just not for you. Yeah. So if you were like an open water or advanced open water diver, what, how would you describe kind of that, that first dive? What's the vis like, the buoyancy like, temperature of the water? So I think it's it's a it's a beyond open water diving because yeah. it's, a bit, it's a bit too deep. Um, but advanced open water, it's absolutely the average depth of the of the German fleet here. I'd say is thirty meters, average depth. But 
you'd be you'll get more out of coming here if you've got a deep spec or you're comfortable diving beyond 35. You know, if you're right. comfortable, you don't have to spend your whole time at 40 meters, but some of the wrecks are, you know, 40, 42 to the bottom. But those wrecks are 25 on the top. Yeah. So you you know, it's just there's some stuff to see that's really worth being able to see below 35. Yeah. You don't, while you can absolutely come here with a 30 meter limit. If you're going to plan a trip this far north, you'd be better off doing a deep spec before you came. Just, you know what I mean? To get the most out of it. Mm. And Nitrox, if you're open circuit divers, Nitrox is also uh, just worth it for a bit of extra bottom time, given that you're going to be down at 30 metres plus for a yeah. good chunk of, of your bottom time. And it really, while I said, I mean, I've just told you, yeah, some of them are 42 at the bottom and 25 at the top. That's a great multi-level dive, but there's still a 25 vertical descent and ascent. So you could say they're relatively square profile dives from that sort of point of view. Um, God, we got quite technical there, didn't we? Sorry about that. That's right. <laughs> but to answer your question, you get these, uh, for people that have done mostly shore diving or quarry diving, I think there's a, there's a level of suspense of, of that descending down a shot line in a cold water dive. So you can, yeah. you're only seeing five, 10, 15 meters of line and you've got a bit of time before you get that shadow. Is that the bottom or is that the wreck? So there's, I think there's an, a level of anticipation and excitement with a, a, yeah. you know, a long descent. And then this massive hulk of a ship appears, but in 10 meter chunks. And so, you know, the, the shortest ones are 140, 46 meters long. Um, the longest ones are 175. So you don't, in wow. one week's diving in Scapa, you, you know, a lot of the boats will give a decent dive briefing and uh, we show a lot of images and I mean, you, you watched one of one of my mm -hmm. uh, yeah. talks, you know, we use a lot of scan images and photographs and things to explain the wrecks, but um, they they unfold 10 meter chunks at a time. And the gun barrels are some of them are six meters long and longer. So sometimes if the visit, if the visibility is really bad, you don't see a whole gun in, yeah. in one go. So they're, they're just, they're vast. They make you feel small. Um, and I, I see new stuff every single time I go diving, which, and I've been here, yeah, 17 years. So for me, they, yeah, if this is it for my diving career, I'm a happy bunny. Yeah. <laughs> and the diving window, would you say um, it's pretty good up there, but so it's not diving all year round, is it? it we, generally we don't, um, but I don't think it's that we couldn't. So like, this winter has been fantastic from a, yeah. a lack of wind point of view so generally the season runs about um late march early april to mid-november mm, yeah. we're, we're expecting to be ready to start and not stop um the problem with the winter is we do get more wind and a lot more wind than most people we call just we just call you all south i apologize <laughs> for that most people south don't get, don't get um yeah so we can you could you could risk it just being not diveable for you know there's a bigger risk to make the journey but generally it's the lack of daylight that's the biggest problem yeah. um you know we've done we've done wreck surveys all winter for several winters over, in recent years um and while yes we, we'd lose more more days to weather than the average two i lose to weather in a normal season um that's it, it um for people, for people who are listening and can't see us um you're sitting in your boat I am in, yep. in the harbour area and it looks so calm you know it, it looks really, really calm and tranquil and but I bet you you must get some really big storms there you see the picture behind your head um, of all those waves wherever that is oh we can get yeah. massive storms um yeah. it's a, it needs to be a southeasterly or southerly gale to to really be rough in the harbour yeah so, is on a big hill you see 
for those that are watching on um, on video. So we get we get a lot of shelter from a westerly gale, um, and Scapa flows out there. On uh, so it's yeah. a big bit of water, but it's still it's still relatively sheltered compared to open sea, which is why mm. I've said you know I said before we we can dive in in a much stronger the winds than most people would expect. Yeah. Um, not that we like to. I mean, everybody likes flat, calm, and sunny. Do we not? With a few yeah. popping out over there. <laughs> well, over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Far more of that than you think. Um, but we dive at um, Farne Islands, and for the last um, few years, get at least one day's um, has blown out. They can't get us in. But that will be. Will that be related to swell, not just wind? So it might be a day. Swell, wind. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of it. See, Scapa doesn't get any swell because we're it? too closed. Yeah. You'll get it out um, out to the west, um, into yeah. the Atlantic, or out to the east, into the North Sea, because we just sit on that cusp between um, the Atlantic Ocean and the North Sea at the top of Scotland. But mm. in Scapa Flow, you don't get the effects as well. So you'll get yeah. a rough surface chop, or a very rough surface chop, if it's a really bad gale. But sometimes, um, you know, that means we just play the week differently. If we know we're going to get a real big blow, but we've got sheltered sites in that wind direction, we'll save those to that day. Mm. Um, and generally, quite often, you just come out and put, pop your nose out and see. But on average, I lose two days a year. That's it. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. really surprising. It, well, it's, it's also it, it's, it's safe bet diving. You know, I know there's brilliant wreck diving all around the coast um, of the UK. And I'd love to go to Malinhead and dive the wrecks there. Uh, we're very lucky in Scapa that it, well, one, that's shallower. And two, we just don't, we're not affected nearly as much by wind any, than and everywhere else is. Because it's the, uh, well, it's the wind and the swell. We just don't have the swell. It's almost a perfect dive site. <laughs> Absolutely. Am I doing the right job? <laughs> and the visibility is, you know, is good, isn't it? Well, I think by, right. um, by UK diving, it's good. Uh, yeah. Average, average 10 metres, it can be down as low as four or five. Mm. I've had 25 metre vis. If I could predict when that would be, I would charge more money for that week. <laughs> <laughs> Here, on our east coast, you know, um, we were talking to somebody just the other day, and they're doing some work just off, um, just off our sort of Suffolk coast, and no visibility all, just about all year round because of the currents. The currents stir up, and it's just no good at all. But you go a bit further up to North Norfolk side, and then we get a short window of about from about June through to about October, November time, uh, depending on the currents. And then on the south coast, that's nearly diving all year round there. You know, you get really good visibility and um, good diving there. But it's, it must be just how it comes down the island, I suppose. It can be. We, Scapa was enclosed in, uh, after, well, during World War Two. So yeah. it used to have, um, it's got a big entrance in at the top, which anyone that's come to Stromness on the big Northlink ferry has come in through that entrance. And it's got two big entrances at the bottom, um, but it used to have a series of entrances in from the east side of Scapa Flow, and they all got blocked up um, during wartime after the Royal Oak was torpedoed and sunk, because yeah. the U-boat that got into Scapa Flow came through those eastern approaches. And that made Scapa Flow non-tidal. <laughs> You still get it, you get it coming in from both ends, and so you can feel the direction of the current on the wrecks, but only on the it's only on the really biggest tide days that you might yeah. choose to, you know, 
not swim in that direction 175 meters of the battleship if that makes sense and generally it's not tidal we're not having to dive um at certain points in the day i think the visibility here would be better if it was mm. if they hadn't built the churchill barriers we would get more of a water flow and we'd probably get better visibility like we do when we're um outside of the flow for instance the, so there's the, the hampshire which is a war grave it's not a wreck we can dive but that's just up the west coast of orkney um, visibility on that's frequently well so they told us when from people that used to dive at recreation before they banned diving on there but frequently 40 meters wow incredible now, now in the atlantic but yeah we don't get that in in scapa but um it's also great that we can dive at any time of day that's like red sea type visibility that isn't it i've only been there twice <laughs> no, uh, no but the problem the problem with the atlantic there aren't the wrecks out there you know, so uh, you, no. you, you, you're not got shipwrecks to go and dive out there that are accessible. And the scenic diving up there is incredibly weather dependent. That has to yeah. be flat, calm, no swell, like yeah. in close shore yeah. on the East Coast. But Emily, what I tell you, what, um, what is clear is that for people who are thinking about coming to Scapa, you know, who, let's say, live London, southeast, whatever, you know, who've got a fair old journey to go to come up there um you haven't you know it's good hearing what you're saying because you, you in a planning point of view you can think well actually you can come up there and have a good few days diving without thinking oh you know it's a lot it's a bit of a gamble because when we were talking about questions and that we were thinking about you know um you know if we were going up do we have to think about what else we're going to do if we get blown out with different with the weather you know, but what you're saying is when we think when we're thinking of coming up, <laughs> yeah. So that's been on my that's been on my list to, for ages. You know, to come up there. It, I'm not going to lie. You know, every now and again we will get a storm, and just it's just it's you know it's weather roulette, isn't it? Uh, so the well, no, it's guaranteed. Is it? You could be really unlucky and come here and miss a couple of days. Yeah, you would be really, really unlucky if that happened. Um, and then we dive through the daylight's the other thing that gets people up here. So in the summer, if you come in June, it doesn't go dark. Yeah, it must yeah. be weird. <laughs> it's it a little bit, you know, gets to be like evening, and then if you wake up in the middle of the night, you wouldn't know if it was two o'clock in the morning. You were late for the boat leaving, or it was time to get up. Um, so you can do an entire evening sightseeing as if it was a daytime sightseeing if you're here right in the summer. So you can go dive in and then go walking on a beach or go and look at some of the Neolithic history. There's the you know, stone circles and all that sort of 5,000 year old stuff up, up here. Um, some people deliberately come later in the year so that when we get the, the night time so that they can try and get the Northern Lights. We've had yeah. a great couple of weeks for um, the Aurora uh, here just the last couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, just a really, the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been great, except it's always in the middle of the night when I want to be asleep. And I can never take the pictures everybody else can take. <laughs> uh, so it just it just depends. But I think, yeah, you can, you generally, you can't predict when the visit is going to be brilliant and when it's going to be bad. So I, when people ask me when is the best time to come, you say, do you want it to be a bit more summer-like or you're not bothered? Um, do you want there to be more daylight in the evenings or you're not bothered? Or, and then generally, just come when it suits you guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, it's um, dry suit diving up there as well, isn't it, really? Well, I, I would say, yeah, for me, it's dry suit diving and a heated vest. But um, you do get the odd person that comes in, um, in a wetsuit. Really? Wow. The, the warmest the water gets is about 13 degrees. And 
the coldest it gets. So, um, like now, the water's about six, five, six degrees. So the warmest that gets is probably about 40, 40 degrees Fahrenheit. It's about that. Oh, I think. I you can do that conversion. <laughs> but yeah, double it and add 10, isn't it? I think. Something like that. Yeah. 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 But it's pretty chilly. That's that's definitely dry seat stuff. Yeah. Well, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So how many people can you take out on the boat at any one time? Well, so we can take 12 passengers and all the boats are the same in that. It's 12, um, 12 passengers. Uh, and, uh, but all the boats are quite big, so quite often you'll have at least two crew, maybe even three or four crew on, on the boats to look after everybody. Um, right. Yeah. And is that reduced, um, you know, because of COVID or anything like that? No, we were quite lucky. So the, the rules in Scotland were different to the rules, I believe, that they imply, uh, that were imposed on the um, English boats. Right. Uh, and because we were big enough, we could we could all, when we were allowed to start last summer, we could all keep people far enough apart. We, uh, I mean, we, we personally did imp implemented a system where we were kitting up in sort of waves so that there weren't everybody out on deck at once. Yeah. It meant everybody was two metres apart the whole time. And I think yeah. we'll, when we're allowed to start this year, we'll keep those... It's tricky though, isn't it? You know, yes. to keep um, a distance on a dive boat uh, and keep socially distanced on a dive boat. It's not particularly easy, really. You because you, you're coming on off a dive and you you're wet and you're like, thank goodness you're back on the boat and you know it's not. Well, it is. You want help you're... trying to get fins off or your mark, you know, whatever. Well, this is true. Yeah, I mean, our crewmen would be where crewmen had to, we would be wore eye protection and, and face masks and we weren't the divers weren't allowed to take their regulators out and, and their masks off until they were sat down and we were away from them. Um, but, you know, we, we just, we had to, we either were going to stop the planet for an entire year, weren't we? Or we yeah. needed to find a, a safe, workable way. We implemented stuff. It worked. All the other dive boats seemed to do the same thing. Um, and uh, yeah, fortunately, so I think the dive industry up here got going in July last year. Yeah. Um, went all the way through till um, I think the, we lost the last week or so with the, there was a, that interim lockdown in England. November, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we weren't locked down, but nobody else was could get here again. Yeah. yeah. So we, uh, but it worked really well. And I, I'm really proud to, of Orkney's tourism industry that there wasn't a single case of transmission in Orkney through tourism Absolutely. last year. Mm -hmm. We inevitably have to move on to COVID, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just this year. So, um, yeah, we're just, we're just waiting now to hear when they're going to open up, mm. open up uh, travel through Scotland. That's the problem. We, yeah. yeah they've, they've, they've announced, I know they I've been watching the, the English announcements and when you get to start moving and they've made announcements this week about when you can move around Scotland, but nothing about when you can come into Scotland. So we're yeah. still just all in limbo as to we're already all the boats. I can see them all, you know, everybody's done all their work for the winter and they're all just literally ready to, to get going, but it's, yeah. So where, where do predominantly most of your um, visitors or your divers come from? Are they from all over the UK or do you get them from coming from overseas? You get a mixture. Some years, I'd still say predominantly, the most most of them are English divers. Okay. Just because you've got far more people in England, you know, compared to Scotland. So we, but we get, yeah, mostly UK divers. But if you ha if we want to divide it into separate British countries, they're mostly English. Um, we get a good mixture of European divers, although, you know, that's not the same number of inquiries this year, as yeah. you imagine people are just playing it safe. Um, and then I've had people from Australia, so as far away as the other yeah. side of the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's incredible. That's a... Yeah. And um, in 2019, you was involved with the uh, celebration of the mark and the, the centenary of Scapa mm-hmm. and the sinking of the German fleet. Can you tell us a bit about that? And, uh, you know, we, we've got a touch on that. Um, I don't really want... I think the, the wrecks have been covered so many times with different things and whatever. So it'd be good, but for the people who don't know really why Scapa is famous uh, for these wrecks, can you give us a little bit of information about what actually happened and, you know, how these wrecks got there? Yeah, so um, Scapa flow has been here a lot longer than the German fleet have been here. Um, yeah. but we're talking in the diving world about Scapa flow. We're talking about the World War One German fleet. Uh, so in 2019 was the centenary of the scuttling and I completely understand why we would call that as divers a celebration of the scuttling <laughs> because hurrah, we've got great wrecks to dive um, but actually no we, we 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 changed the language and it was a commemoration yeah. of the scuttling so uh, in short condensed version November uh, November 1919 uh, 1918 which the world commemorates as being the end of World War One, actually wasn't. That November the 11th was the ceasefire. Yeah. Uh, that's when the world stopped killing each other. Uh, and then it was another seven months until the war was officially over. And during that seven months, there's all the peace talks. And then the Treaty of Versailles was signed in the following June 1919, officially yeah. ending World War One. During that seven month period, uh, Germany had to uh, agree to having its main naval fleet interned in what was supposed to be a neutral port, but ended up being the main enemy harbour, Scapa Flow. And the reason they had to agree to that is because Germany asked for the ceasefire, not the Allied yeah. forces. So they had to, they, I, my take on it is they were hungrier than we were. <laughs> so Germany's, uh, Germany, or 74 ships of the German Navy were sailed across uh, in, up the East Coast. They went to Rosyth first and had a big survey done on them. They, they, they came up to uh, Scapa Flow in small convoys um, over that winter and were anchored here for seven months, used as a bargaining tool in the peace process. They were disarmed before they came. That doesn't mean the guns were taken off them, which is, I think, important to stress. You can come see massive big naval guns underwater in Scapa Flow, uh, but it meant that all the munitions were taken off. So inherently those shipwrecks, you know, they're, they're not full of live munitions. You're not going to mm-hmm. come across anything like that. Um, and the guns were rendered unfireable. That's an important part to me. Uh, and then they were just anchored here. We did nothing for them. We didn't give them uh, coal. We didn't give them food. Uh, their, their newspapers were coming from Germany several days late. They really were not being kept fully abreast of the peace process. Uh, now, the commanding officer for that period was called Admiral von Reuter. He was put in charge right at that uh, right in November. His main job was to bring the German fleet over to Scapa. Um, and he was concerned that the... Uh, hostilities could resume. Now we all think of this period of it all being quite peaceful but it wasn't. The, the, tre- the peace process took a long time and there were several tense moments um, where hostilities could have resumed. He also knew he couldn't fight. He's not, he did not have a fighting machine. Fully expected that the German fleet would be seized at the end of this process and shared out among the Allied forces which was the plan um, and so his only act of war open to him his only thing he could do was sink them so that nobody could have them. And yeah. scuttling a, a ship in, in wartime is not, this is not the first time it happens. It is a, you know, a conventional method um, and a resource at the hands of the commanding officers. But to do it on this scale is a first and well, the biggest scuttling ever. So he yeah. communicated among his trusted officers on the ships here um, what the plan was. 
in secret and then gave a signal, a prearranged signal on the 21st of June, 1919, um, in flags. It was a signal up his mast in flags that could be seen by the next ship. They could copy that, that could be seen by the next ship, so on and so forth, which was basically open it all up, lads, and abandon ship, let them sink. So this, <laughs> and um, I say lads, because it was all men, there were no women, you know, we come later. Um, so 74 warships start this process of sinking. Um, 50 of them successfully sink and hit the seabed. And you see quite a lot of figures banded around of 52 or 53 or 54. 52 is the most common one. But in the process of, of doing all the stuff for SCAPA 100 um, in 2019, we wanted to answer that question. Why is there, why are there, and uh, it was a mistake in the uh, war records and, and what was the information given to parliament. They've counted ships twice. So officially 50 successfully sunk. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that was that, the, the Admiralty washed their hands of them. So we could be so much better. There could be 50 down there. Um, and instead it created this commercial opportunity for Orkney, um, where, which sustained Orkney through the depression, the interwar depression, and it was salvage. So the salvage industry was invented and developed precisely because there was such a resource on the bottom of scap flow. And they, sal they raised nearly all of them. We have seven intact ones left. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eight, eight ships left of the actual um, of, of the actual 50 and then the salvage sites the remains of the ships that were raised in their entirety there's quite a lot of that to see as well and of the ships we still have all of them have got signs of blast salvage so um, the initial salvage industry took ships in their entirety raised them sailed them away chopped them up for scrap and that that carried on right up into the 50s and then uh, then blast salvage takes over where with divers are going down laying charges and taking the specific material they want yeah. um, and all of our ships have got the scars of that it opens them up though as well so it, the stuff exposed that wouldn't be exposed yeah. had they not been salvaged so and it's part of the history so and that's it then um, by the time salvage diving stopped oh look there's a boat coming in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time salvage diving stopped uh, recreational diving was starting um that's sort of the late 70s early 80s and um here we are all these years later. Sorry, it's no. quite noisy, that boat. Oh, I can't hear him. Well, can you not? Well, I can hear him. That's good. <laughs> There's some good video on um, YouTube taken at the time of them dragging some of these old boats upside down um, for scrapping. And this must be, some of the video was taken uh, between the First and Second World War. So this old black and white yep. video. And that's on YouTube to be, you know, you can see. And it's amazing how they must have floated them up, got them up to the surface. And because um, you think the, the the mechanics are trying to do that, and they obviously had to get men in the water and well, in the twenty to yeah, do that. It was a man, a man called Ernest Cox developed the system to do it, but it it's done by erecting these big airlocks. So you yeah. see, on that footage you see of the ships upside down, down being sailed away, they've got these big tubes cut off on the hull. Yeah. Well, that's an that's the bottom of an airlock it's called a caisson and they would erect this giant airlock which then divers they, they put upright take down so if the hull of the ship's in 25 meters this airlock's 35 meters tall divers would affix that to the hull of the ship and then it'd be supported with big you know like wires like guy ropes for tents to hold it up yeah but then they pumped air into it so the workmen would then climb row out to, to the ship Climb right. up the ladder on the outside of the tube, climb down the ladders on the inside through the series of airlocks where they're then, they're now, they're not divers, they're workmen 
but they're yeah. now in an airtight space because there's air being pumped into the ship. And then they compartmentalize the insides of the ships. So they're just like they built foundations for bridges, you know? Yeah. So they're, they're inside a German warship on the bottom of Scapaflow, but not in dive kit, not surrounded by water, welding yeah. things up, sealing things up so that they could then fill the ship itself with air evenly and float it to the surface. Yeah. That's how they did it. Sounds quite good. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? The, the engineering involved in that was amazing. Really, really amazing. Yeah. So, so that, that, yeah, that is all part of the history of the German fleet, you know, you know? Yeah. And none of the guys, uh, well, there were still some of the guys still alive that worked on the blast salvage, but the main characters have all now passed. Um, but it, it's been a bit of a privilege, well, it's been a massive privilege to get to know some of them and yeah. be able to share that that part of the ship story. And I guess you must still be finding stuff, I suppose. Oh, the stuff, stuff to see every day. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting. The start, of, well, I say the start of last season is the middle of the summer by the time we got to go diving. In the first lockdown, we weren't even allowed to go out. The Harbour Authority here wouldn't even let us go diving recreationally in case it increased, you know, because of the increased risk of um, needing emergency services. So we didn't see the wrecks for months. Um, and things had changed, uh, which which I suppose we'd see a more gradual change normally, but quite often there's a, a change over the winter months. It could, and it's precisely because we haven't seen them for a couple of months or so. Because they're deteriorating. Of course they are. They're steel ships in salt water. Yeah. The natural evolution of every shipwreck. We need to sink more. The problem with marine safety being what it is now. We don't, we don't lose enough ships. Um, but yeah, so there were there were some big changes that just because we hadn't seen the wrecks for so long, and and so there's new stuff exposed. You know, it'd be great to never have a ship deteriorate at all and it just looking back. Mm. You know, but that's you know that's not going to happen. But as the ships do do deteriorate and something falls away then you see something new that you yeah. didn't know was there or you wouldn't ever had a chance of seeing without being several decks inside the ships so yeah. for me um the battleships themselves we've got so out of the ships that are here we've got three big uh, dreadnought era battleships they're 175 meters long they weigh 26,000 tons if you put them on the bathroom scales yeah, um, and they're all upside down just because of the nature of, 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 as soon as they started sinking, they turned upside down and hit the ceiling. Yeah. They're so big and so heavily built that they're not really going to change significantly in my lifetime. No. There's, no. there's, there's more deterioration happening inside them, but that, you know, but yeah, they're, 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 those hulks are going to be just as they are for a long, long time. The smaller ships, and I say smaller, they're still, you know, 155 meters long. Um, and weigh about five and a half thousand tons. They sunk all on one side or the other, port or starboard, and they're lighter built. You know, they're twenty thousand tons lighter, so they they are deteriorating faster. There's been much more significant change in them in the years I've been here, but they're still really interesting. And as I say, those those are things that you know this bit rocks away and disappears, and then you see a whole another layer. So yeah. on the Brummer, which is a fast mine layer, she's the lightest built of all the ships here, so she's suffered most decay just because the steel's thinner and there's a big section midships that just last year has rotted away and fallen down a bit of the main deck and inside it, it's exposed all the gas cylinders that would have been used to fire the deck mounted torpedo tubes and I, mm -hmm. you can see them and now there's just you swim down the midship section and there's all these massive you know much longer than a, a j cylinder of oxygen but just massive gas cylinders everywhere and yet yeah, first time you can see them which yeah. um, right. i think is Quite a privilege, isn't it? Because you think who's the last person to see them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, is there much kind of penetration into the wrecks, 
or is it more just going around the outside and across decks and um, there's as much as you want or dare to do so yeah. of course going inside shipwrecks is incredibly dangerous and nobody should do it just mm. <laughs> uh, no yeah there, there is a lot the battleships are, are massive they're 30 meters wide several decks of them so there are swim throughs there are there is the, the, there's the option for proper deep wreck penetration if you are you know that yeah. way inclined yeah. and skilled to do so of course we can't we can't recommend anybody does that obviously or tell people how to do it but yes there's lots of inside if people want that yeah, yeah. so what about wildlife is it a complete haven for all sorts what do you see around the wrecks um, around the wrecks when I'm in the water you get all the, the smaller marine life that you'd associate with cold water diving you know with British diving so lots of uh, soft corals and enemies um, crabs those sorts of things the fish life get the, the well, I'm, I'm no marine ma mammal expert or marine animal expert as anybody watching knows we'll be laughing now you've just asked me about fishy stuff <laughs> but uh, they you get a lot of fish and it's schools of um, they almost act like the wrecks act, almost act like a nursery much smaller, uh, smaller baby, you know, pollock yeah. or safe or those sorts of things. So you can get that almost glass fish, Red Sea glass fish experience by the time we're getting to um, midsummer and then later into the autumn. And I get a lot of seals. Mm -hmm. You get baby seals adopting a wreck and then playing with divers because they just, not the same as you would get in the farms. You don't get swarms of seals, you know, right. they'll know you're there more than you see them. But um, get diving birds. I don't know if you've seen birds underwater before i haven't but when, you, when the fish come and the wrecks are covered in fish which you know you need to cut through them with your torch to get to see the wreck um then you get diving gannets uh guillemots uh, those sorts of things so you the fish will just part and then you turn around and there's literally a bird swimming past you at 30 <laughs> meters underwater and your only answer is opposable thumbs you know you can fly <laughs> and swim damn you <laughs> um so those, those are the biggest things I've seen. I've seen skates and things like that on the wrecks. Not it's rare, but you know those are the biggest yeah. things I've seen underwater. Mm -hmm. um, but we get a, we get a lot of orca in Scapa Flow. Yeah, we get more and more visiting pods and the same pods coming through. I've, um, I've only had divers see them once. That was a couple of years ago. There was a I, you'd heard reports that there were orca in the flow and we wanted to go and see if we could see them. And there's still two divers in the water. Yeah, like, come on, willing this SMB to just just come up um, and then the two these two orca porpoise down the side of the boat i'm yeah. looking at the smb over there came thrown to the front of the boat did a beeline to the smb and i thought oh my goodness this could be a really bad day <laughs> <laughs> and they just they circled the divers twice on their stops and swam off and they grinned at them apparently i said you should just never come back i don't see how you top that seeing orca underwater yeah, that's, that's amazing yeah and we we get uh, dolphins and Risso dolphins, Atlantic white-sided, common dolphins, um, orca, yeah. and even we had a humpback whale last year, which is rare. Oh wow! Yeah. Just one. <laughs> yeah, but even just to have that happen is just you know the draw. If people know that, that's going to draw them to think, well, they might come to Orkney. And... Yeah. yeah, it's um, it, we used to say that May would be the better time to see orca in the flow, but uh, they've been coming quite consistently now. It's like it's, we get we get pods that travel around the north of scotland and um yeah it's a it's a it's a privilege to see orca in the wild yeah. yeah you mentioned the smb um for people who may not be divers um so we call them the surface marker boys um 
yeah, for people who do come and dive up there, they do need to be able to use one of them and have one on their person, don't they? Yes, I would say yes, you do need to be um, comfortable and competent with an SMB. You yeah. can come back to the shot lines, the, dive, the, the shipwrecks have all got at least one shot line on them, so that's the, a rope tied into the wreck with boys floating on the surface, for those of you that are not divers. Um, and we'll put you down to the wrecks on those because you won't find them. So you can come back up that. It's just the ships okay. are long. They're big. You might yeah. finding it again. There's one shot line at one end of a of a battleship. You might actually quite like to just spend the dive yeah. going one way and then send up an SMB at the other end of it. And then of course the the safety side of that then is is making sure you can find the shot line. So if you don't have yeah. an SMB, you're adding a level um, of stress maybe to a dive. And unlike um, other places where the skipper would be asking you all to send up SMBs so that um, because you're going to move too far with the current, that's not usually an issue. Every now and again, if we're really big tides, we might ask you to do that. Or yeah. if there's fog, we might insist that you come back to the shot line. Mm -hmm. just to make sure, but generally, You'd brief that anyway. Generally, yeah, generally either or. Yeah, generally either or SMB or shot line. But yes, I would recommend you need to know how to use one and own one to, yeah. to come here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And what about um, twins, people on twin sets? I presume that, um, that's all right. You know, there's plenty of room for getting getting in with twin sets and all that. Yeah, well, gravity helps you get in. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, no, we're quite lucky. All the boats here have got a lot of deck space. So you're yeah. not you're not crushed. You're not. I mean, yeah, is there room for everybody to come with side mounts and two stages? You might get a little bit cozy, but um, generally the decks are designed to have technical divers on them. Yeah. Twin sets, rebreathers, side mounts, stages clipped on, and you still have room to sit. Um, and then you just walk to the gates and the gates are wide enough to jump in with that. So if you want to come with all that kit, you can and spend loads of time underwater. If you come in with a single 12 and a pony, that's also fine. You know, yeah. and we quite often get a mixture of groups now. It's quite nice. You'll get, you'll get people that are going to come and do a couple of hours diving twice a day. And you'll get people in the same group who are, are doing 25, 30 minute bottom times twice a day. That generally they get more biscuits and tea. They <laughs> um, also have lifts, but I think that's pretty normal around the whole country now, isn't it? Yeah. Hard boats yeah. Uh, have diver lifts. So, um, and we fill where your kits, where you sit, so you'll get a spot on the bench. You just tie your kit there, take your first stages off, and the, you're not lifting tanks around decks to get them filled, or on and off at the end of the day, it just all stays on the boat. Yeah. So for a trip out to the wrecks, how long are you out there for? Do you stay out there for all day, or do you keep, you, yeah? Yeah, so it's just, it's a bit, it's a bit more of a relaxed atmosphere. The boats have got a big inside space. All of them have got big inside space. Um, so you put, you get your own little bit of space on the boat. You get on in the morning, have a cup of tea, travel down to the wrecks, put your kit on, jump in, stay out, have some lunch, fill bottles, do a second dive, and then come back in the afternoon. Right. And gen generally, you get out of your dry suits in the middle of the day. Right. Hang them, hang them up good. in the wet. All the boats have wet changing rooms. You get a dry suit pole or, you know, a rope. Some of them have got ropes across the deck. You get out, you sit inside in the saloon area. Yeah. Lunch, drinking tea, having a snooze. So if you're a single um, tank diver, you need two tanks. No, we fill them on board. All the boats. Are you can fill them on board. Oh, yeah, okay, brilliant. So you can uh, all all the boats will. You can have stage fills in the middle of the day. You can have um, O2 top ups on change your softer line. Have you oh, only filled whatever 
whatever level you are, you just you um you just no you just need one tank, one yeah. tank, one rebreather. Brilliant. Yeah, that sounds good because there's probably a lot of people that have maybe just done diving, you know, Farn Island, St Abs, and it's a whole different experience, isn't it? Yeah, which and it's necessary for the for the type of you know the location and the. Um, yeah, you got the, bigger boat. But we're, we're just I think the boats got bigger initially here, so that they could sleep the divers on board. Mm -hmm. The diving industry developed. There is it was wasn't that easy to find accommodation for twelve people at a time, at a reasonable price in the town. Um, so most of the boats here are liverboards. So you 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 know you come and you you stay on board anyway. So you've got your cabin. Um, okay. And then we did we did things slightly differently in that we had a smaller boat that wasn't a liverboard. And instead of build, getting a bigger boat, we bought a house. So we have a shore based house with six bedrooms and five bathrooms. Fluffy towels. I think it's lovely. <laughs> Um, and then we have a big boat. There are bunks on the boat, but we we run as a day boat, whereas a lot of the other boats are coming. They're all coming back to Stromness every day, but you're staying on board, so you can have both experiences. And it's those bigger, it's those liverboard boats that are the ones that are going to Shetland and doing those sorts of things. Mm. They're taking your bed with you, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you've yeah. Got different you do, options, um, you do like um, guided trips uh, for like people who want to go look at the birds and the uh, uh, landscapes and, and history. So we, we, wildlife trips, I think all the boats here could offer that. It's just um, very rarely do you find a boat load of people, you know, sort of charter yeah. a week's worth of divers that want to, uh, charter weeks of guests that want to do that. So um, there are some people that do that. There's a, you know, people can look at lighthouses and go out and do bird surveys, but generally um, the majority of us are predominantly working with divers. Yeah. 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 So do you get people that obviously come and jump on the boat and go and see the wrecks? Do they do they have like partners or families that come along with them that then go off and do other things on the islands? Sometimes. So most of the business, are most of our, the mainstay of our business is charter groups. You know, we still, we still mm. predominantly have a group organiser and a group of 12 divers come. Um, uh, we also run individuals weeks so where people can just book spaces but generally those people that want to bring their families tend to book separate accommodation because mm -hmm. you can't you know the, none of the accommodation is big enough to then have my wife and two children and the dog with us as well you know because yeah. they don't want to pay for full diving spaces so some people do that um uh, and they go off and do all sorts of stuff Sometimes they bring their, their wives come or their husbands come. It's generally the other way around. I, I'm disappointed to say we get more male divers than female divers. I'd like more women. Please come. It's yeah. not scary. <laughs> Except for the smelly boys. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can do that. There's lots of stuff to do if you want, you know, that that, that could be the That could be the name for our title of this episode. <laughs> Orkney and smelly boys, or maybe yeah. that sounds wrong. No, no, no. You quite like the smelly boys as well, Ian. You know. Sorry. No. You like the smelly boys as well, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but it's a good point saying you want more, you know, girl divers up there because you know I suppose initially when you look at the history and kind of what it is, it's quite daunting. Yeah, you know, for me as a new diver, and you think, woo, but you know, if it's quite accessible for advanced open water people or people that are just wanting to go that next bit further that's you know they need to consider it yeah i, I think so I, I see i've never been one of those people i've always um 
I'd never seen it. I just I just arrived in Scapa and thought, oh, this is fine. I never saw that there was something that me as a woman should feel more intimidated to try. You know, I, I, I've just never been that sort of a person. The first musical instrument I decided to play was a trombone. Uh, it's just, <laughs> um, and I suppose I work in what is in the UK and probably still globally a, a more male dominated mm -hmm. industry. Yeah. I'm sure, Gemma, you probably would say you feel that as well. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think, I mean, you can, you can make that, of that what you will, you know, we can decide it's unfair and misogynistic or we can just get on with what we want to do. Um, but no, would, I don't want any, I don't want men to feel like we're trying to discourage them or women to feel that, that it's not a great place to come. I think none of the skippers here have ever been like that. I've never felt that it was a sexist place to be at all. Um, and in fact, I mean, three of the dive boat skippers here now are women. That's and brilliant. You know, the, the three boats here being run by women. Which is um, brilliant, isn't it? But I, I just I don't think it needs to be a thing, to be honest with you. You know, it's just mm. uh, I'd love to see more women in the sport generally, mm. because it's predominantly not. But I just don't think we need to. It's not a thing. It just doesn't need to be a thing. Yeah, just, well, need just to be all inclusive. Yeah. And we have a female toilet as well, so you know, women only toilet, just so that we can pee in the other men can stand and pee in the other one. <laughs> it's off the end of the boat, isn't it? I thought it was off the end of the boat, isn't it? That's oh. what. <laughs> it's up to you women can do that as well that's all fine <laughs> what goes on the boat stays on the boat <laughs> well no hopefully if we're talking about that i hope it goes off the boat you know? <laughs> <laughs> no that's well that's really good to hear yeah about it's, i think people need to kind of know what the experience or have an idea of the experience that they're then going to step on this boat and what it's going to be like rather than yeah. an unknown thing I, I just i don't i think scapa can cater for all of that you know and um this the skippers are all divers or have been divers you know so i think we we can appreciate someone well you don't you don't want someone to come that's completely out of their depth mm -hmm. and then with a level of arrogance that means they're going to be dangerous yeah. but there's you know there's, there's a, that's a, there's a big difference between that and people that are competent at the, the level they're at and can scapa cater for that level well i'd say yeah it can cater for competent advanced open water all the way up to i you know i i've not i want to just do some easy so some people will class scapa as easy diving and some people it's a challenge you know that and that's yeah. great we can cater for all of that all at the same time yeah. um, also hearing the thing about there's no current or hardly any current that must be a big thing for some people you know not to have to deal with strong currents as part of a dive as well. Yeah, I mean, so at some points of each month, you will get a current that you don't want to just um, jump in the water and wonder why the shot line's moving away from you, which you have got when you've got people that have really not done any sea diving. Which I mean, I think you guys both dive in the sea, but you know what I mean? They've, yeah. they've dived in lots of quarries and you jump, you put them upwind of this nice shot line, they just got to drift on and get hold of it and they just drift past it. I wonder why it's moving. So no, you're moving. <laughs> so yeah, it's still it is still sea diving, but it's not screaming. Mm, yeah. there, are, there are some tidal bits of scapa that we can, you know, you can uh, right up at the entrances that you can do more tidal diving. But the main German fleet, yeah, you might decide to choose to go one way with the tide and go yeah. on the shot line, but you're not you're not sat there being whisked away. No, no, and again, you brief all that i'm presuming for the yeah. dive that we norm that you normally do on a on a dive boat anyway um so that which is good uh, there's a really good website and um called orkney.com 
yes, uh, for anyone who is planning a trip, maybe with friends, family on their own. And there's a lot of information on there about the islands, um, about what you can do, restaurants, Airbnb, lots of different um, options and things like that for anyone who is listening to us and thinking, hey, let's do it. Where do we go? Orkney is a good place. You know, .com is a whole breadth of all information on there as well. They've got your, your website as well. The, well, the, the, the Orkney.com website especially has got a load of print of digital guides to different places. So if yeah. you're here and you decide you want, if, you know, if someone's coming on a week-long diving trip that decide they want to take a day off and do a bit of sightseeing, then there's, there's loads of information on there. And I don't think we could actually reproduce it any better. So it's just yeah. easy to link to the Orkney.com website. Um, you asked me earlier if we give guided dives, and I don't think I answered the question. So the dive boats themselves don't. They, they, they're, you know, they were a charter boat that, um, uh, but there is a local dive school here that you can do guided dives with or if you just you know fancy coming to Orkney because Orkney's awesome and have never tried diving you could do a try a dive in Orkney with them now that wouldn't be on the big deep German ships but it would be no. at, the, at the barrier so they're, they're called Kraken diving and the other thing for divers that are maybe thinking they might want to visit Orkney um, but then would be worried about being so far away and what happens that the local dive shop here which is Scapa Scuba also offer a genuine overnight repair service I mean I would say everybody needs a bend but you can you can have your zip replaced overnight and not miss yeah. diving cuffs neck seals holes new boots those sorts of things so um yeah basically it's just it's a really well serviced place to come diving sounds it because yeah you just want to you've got to invest that time and money getting to such a remote kind of place yeah, yeah. We're looking at how long it would take to drive and then we're looking at flying and yeah it's, <laughs> it's still a long way it is. It's, um, it is cheap it's quicker to get to the red sea but um mm. so I, I think especially I, I would imagine that we're going to see less people flying abroad in the next wee while oh um, yeah definitely i mean i mean orkney's doing amazingly at getting everybody vaccinated by the end of next week everybody over 40 will be done in orkney oh wow Brilliant. And, and we've had such low infection rates there's been 70 cases in total in orkney it's a very safe place to come yeah <laughs> um but yeah I, I would try and yes it's a long way to drive it is cheaper to drive especially if you come in with other people than it is to fly to it's quite expensive to fly direct to orkney well into in orkney but um, but I would don't be put off. Scotland's a beautiful country to drive through, and yeah. it's a very special place to be. It's dangerous though. Dangerous. Once come, yeah, once you come, you might never leave. I only came <laughs> yeah. for a week. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an amazing story. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You never know. The population of Orkney might grow over this summer. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if, if, we, if you're ever allowed to come. That's, that's we will be we will i'm sure it'll change i'm sure it'll change well we're all just waiting for some information as to when because i think the boats here we've got bookings you know we're not we're not sat here with no bookings for the season we've got bookings that we moved from last year people were great about rolling charters over rather than taking refunds and um uh, and i think everybody's diaries for next year will be open quite often you find people book scapper further in advance than you might book other yeah. places just because it there's you know you've got a you're coming for longer it's maybe slightly more of a commitment as you were saying um so people's diaries are open so don't you know don't if you think you might even fancy it next year i think everybody here would be great 
you know, really, you know, great to hear from anyone that wants to go diving. Yeah. 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 What predominantly in the Orkney, what's the industry? Is it predominantly fishing that keeps kind of the economy going? Um, I think, I think they describe people in Orkney, farmers with fishing boats and people <laughs> and fishermen with little farms. Um, so Orkney's got quite a lot of arable land for a small place. Um, so there's a lot of farming here. Uh, tourism is obviously a big industry. Yeah. Um, not just diving tourism. Diving tourism is important. The oil and gas industries here, we have a big, you know, uh, they do quite a lot of, of oil ship ship transfers in Scapa Flow and there's an oil terminal. Yeah, um, and then just the normal island community uh, stuff. You know, we, we have we have our local council. You've got quite a few. You've got all the schools and education and not, not that sort of stuff. But yeah, renewable farming, fishing, tourism, renewable energy. Yeah, yeah. oil and gas. Yeah, everything else in between. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then you have more daylight in the summer than we do. Yes, and then in, in the the October school holidays is two weeks long, not one week long, so that the kids can help far more than neeps. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. But there is dive sites on the way up. So you could, if you're looking to uh, plan a dive, you could potentially do like Cape and Ray, then go a bit further up, dive in Scotland, then get to Orkneys. Yeah, you can. Uh, well, they're, they're, so for those people further south, there are the, there are the north, there are the inland sites, but you've also got, um, you know, you've got Farn Islands, you've got Eyemouth coming up the east coast um yeah. you've got west coast you've got the sound of mole um all the way up there there's um uh, i think i think they're called northeast dive like or they've maybe just changed to kinlock burvey diving um yeah. so the, they they've the so there is there are dive sites you could you could have a little poodle through scotland yeah um, and do lots of sea diving as well yeah well you think there's gonna be so many people jumping in the camper vans and yeah really? out on road trips so i'm sure yeah it's gonna be a whole different summer so yeah 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 that's good yeah yeah it is um should we go on to um the the questions our, our set questions i think would be why not fine. sorry <laughs> why not we'll see exactly. what comes out my mouth <laughs> so um if you could dive somewhere else rather than scapa where would be your choice a place in the world if you could go anywhere to go dive where would it be can I, and i can only pick one no oh, so i would like to dive in antarctica yeah I'd like to dive in truck i'd love to go to um bikini atoll yeah anything particular you want to see there rex oh, <laughs> truck and bikini shipwrecks um antarctica i just think would be amazing I'd like to just see. Yeah. A, I'd like to see a, a, an iceberg underwater. I think that'd be pretty cool. Maybe not so much a leopard seal up close. Um, and I'd like to go to Malin. I think um, Malin would be great. Uh, it's just all the most of these places. I need to go during my dive season. So whether it ever happens, um, <laughs> I'd love to dive in Norway as well. I think Northern Norway would be a pretty special place to to visit. So the cold doesn't phase you then? No, just just more clothes. Is it not? Yeah. <laughs> more clothes so what what sort of dry suit do you wear what what's I, I i wear a scapa scuba dry suit of course okay. um yeah so uh i my husband makes dry suits for a living so right i wear his dry suits <laughs> that's a good plug <laughs> uh, yeah two, well, little, little uh, I, wear, I wear a two mil neoprene dry suit and then um so, so it's thin enough that you're not dealing with the the compression of a neoprene underwater but um 
and then lots of clothes and heated vest because I'm a bit of a big wuss when it comes to getting too cold. <laughs> I don't blame you. Why not? Yeah, well, that's good. Um, if you could take three people diving, so they can be past, present, they don't have to even be divers, but if you could take three people, who would you decide to take to show them the underwater world? Ah, I'd have to introduce people. Because I just said, if I can only go diving with two people ever again in my life, then that has to be Marjo and Claire, who are my dive buddies. So we're, we're work as a little photography team. I, you know, I would have loved to introduce my mum and my dad to the underwater world. They would never have done it. And they're both sadly not with us anymore. But I would, yeah, I would have loved to show them what I actually do. Because my dad died before I learned how to dive. Uh, well, just not, not like, before I learned how to dive here. Yeah. I'd learned how to dive. So he just never, never knew. And my mum just never got it. She, she couldn't mm -hmm. understand why on earth. I, she supported every single bit of it, but couldn't understand why on earth I would want to put <laughs> I head under there but it was terribly dangerous so I, yeah I would have loved to have yeah them to understand how amazing it is yeah see the underwater yeah another planet underwater yeah absolutely yeah. is that really sad that's just no no, that's good. no 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 because it's inspiring and you know for people listening you know we've had that said by other people they would they'd like to take we even had one person I think Alex Mustard wanted to take his dog yeah yeah. Oh <laughs> I think it's it's when we when we're documenting the shipwrecks and we're and I'm trying I'm talking about them here. I mean my day-to-day -day stuff, I'm I'm yeah, I'm trying to get you guys as divers sat in the saloon to understand how to go and find yourself your own way around the wrecks. But when I'm talking to other audiences, you really do want to share whether it's the architecture or the marine life or just what it feels like to be under underwater with a wider audience. And certainly with the um with the war grave surveys that we've been involved in over the last few years, which is very privileged diving and not everybody can go and visit them, but you really are trying to capture exactly what they feel like, not just what they look like, so that you can share yeah. that with an audience that can't, um, that can't go and experience that. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to just uh, yeah, show more of that to, to a lot more people. And the SCAP 100 stuff was really interesting because predominantly I thought that would be people, it'd be divers that were interested in being involved with that. And it wasn't, it was a huge swathe of the community uh, from, here and further afield that were really interested in what was underwater. Yeah. So they have no intention of ever going to visit themselves. So there we go. Yeah. The more the merrier is what I say. Yeah. yeah. And you know, for anybody listening to this, because I really didn't know anything about the history and you know recently looked into it. And yeah, it's quite an incredible story that yeah, you just think, wow, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Imagine being on that boat with them kids that day. Well, who come up to do a visit and seeing all their boats go under the kids well the kids were quite well protected from it they were you know the teachers hushed them here and they were but it was the you know obviously way before easy communication with the shore the parents back in stromness were were terrified so for people that don't know there was a school trip um on a boat called the flying kestrel from stromness sailing out around the german ships on the 21st of june on the scuttling day out there when the ship started to sink and yeah, big panic back in Stromness till the kids were home safe. <laughs> must be an amazing thing to see, to witness. They must have been, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's nobody alive left that witnessed it, but there are there are stories of it. There, you know, there's um, archive recordings in the Orkney Library and archive of, of people of kids that were on the flying kestrel and other people, which is great that some yeah. of history has been gathered. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah. Uh, see. So when do we sign you up then? That's the next thing. Well, definitely on the list. Yeah. yeah. 
Next hey. podcast needs to come to Scapa. Yeah, need to do my advance first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we. I said that exactly the other night. I said, yeah, I could come to one of those dive schools, and yeah, 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 yeah. Get to do the basics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be, you know, and I said that would just be such an amazing thing to say that you got qualified, advanced. Yes. There, you did your deep dive on the German fleet of your qualifying dives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. So maybe <laughs> inspire other people as well. Just thinking, I need my advanced. I'm going to go to Scapaflow to do it. Yeah. <laughs> be a good place to do it. I'm sure the local dive school would be very happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, so. well, this is what we want to try and appeal to, you know, to to the people um, who haven't considered SCAP. who have always thought, you know, heard stories and thought, well, you know, it's too, that's going to be too much. But actually, it's not. It's open for, it's inclusive, you know, and people with open water certificates can go up there and get involved and, you know, move up the, the ladder a bit on to do that advanced. They could, I would say they would need to make sure they've got their training booked. You know, there is only one um, dive school, paddy dive school running up here at the moment. So yeah, it, yeah. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want people to think, oh, let's just jump in the car. We'll do it when we get there. Make no. yeah, sure you've booked before you come. Um, <laughs> but yes, absolutely. They could come and do that if yeah. they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get any, um, obviously, less able people? So if people like amputees and people diving, is there other facilities for them to come up and give uh, Scapper a go? So none of the boats. Yeah, I think I caught your question. None of the boats are, you know, built for disabled divers. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I think I'm fairly sure we've all catered for amputees. Um, so I've had I've had people with um, without an arm, without a hand, without a yeah. leg. Um, and you know, quite often people, you know, somebody with a single amputation can cope quite fine with climbing a ladder to board anyway. Some of the boats have got gangplanks, um, or we've found other ways. The the biggest disability I've um, catered for is a, a, a paraplegic, wow. a, a lady in a wheelchair. She was very, very able, but very, very strong. Um, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> but uh, so I, yeah, so it's. I think we would all do what we could, but I would, I would, I would, I'm always very honest with what we're not. We're not a boat designed to take disabled divers diving, but if we can have that open conversation about what you need and what we can provide, then I think we'd all, yeah, absolutely, we would welcome. Make it yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. If we can make it work. I think that, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. I would, I'd love to help as many people go diving, but I'm, I'd be, I think we would all be very honest about what we can do and what we can't do. And yeah. if those things can match, then happy days. Yeah. No, that sounds good. Yeah. Oh, and a blind diver. Yeah. Could yeah. Have blind divers or partially sighted divers come in. Sometimes they see more than um than the fully sighted divers. Definitely. <laughs> it's, it's an impressive sight to see a blind diver get himself back to the shot line. Yeah, I bet. They're very, very impressive. Yeah. yeah. Just getting in the water blind, I think, is pretty impressive, to be honest. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah incredible. But they, they come. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's good, yeah. good. That's the beauty of diving. It's the beauty of diving, open for everybody. Um, so, if you could, if you had a billboard and you could put something on it, it could be a picture, it could be a photo, a statement, a question, or just some message that you want put out there to the millions of people right money no option 
you know, it's going to be there. What are you going to put on it? Seriously. What's going to be your message? It's really sad. I'd say, call your mum. Ah, I like that. Call your mum. And if you needed the postscript, you say, because you don't know how long she's going to be here for. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that's really good. And those that know me know that my mum passed away fairly recently, so it's all pretty. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Call your mum. Yeah. Well, and it's great that you're in a place that she moved to because she obviously loved it so as well. So. Yeah, I followed her. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other way around. <laughs> he said he did once say if any of my, any of my siblings moved, she was moving to Shetland. Uh, no, <laughs> 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 Does anybody else in your family, have you got any brothers and sisters? I've got two brothers. It's just a very small family now. Mm. Um, one of them's an out, awful plug. One of them runs an outdoor centre in North Wales. In, it's called Tinant Outdoors. And the other one makes beer. There's <laughs> a brewery in Manchester called Squawk Brewery. Very nice beer. Online sales. <laughs> Do they dive at all? Or? Um, my, young, my younger brother learnt, but then never. We learnt at the same time on holiday. Yeah. Um, uh, and then um, he never carried on. And my older brother, I mean, he'll, he'll literally, you know, he'll jump into the rapids under Victoria Falls and kayak down these massive rivers get heli lifted to somewhere in Nepal and you know try and not get <laughs> my crocodiles and he thinks what I do is dangerous which I think is ridiculous <laughs> so now I am the only diver of the family yeah yeah oh well well that's good on you <laughs> it's just yeah. yeah so for people who uh listen to this and they think hey oh I get booked up we've told them about orkney.com We've told them about Kraken uh, Scuba to where they can get lessons. But for people who are interested in booking up with you and want to know more, where are they best to go to? So um, they can email us, info at huskin.com. Um, uh, we've got, uh, we've, I think, all the boats here. Because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, delighted to hear from everybody. Of course I am. I'm a business owner. But there are several, there are several dive boats here. And I think, um, you know, you can find a boat that's going to suit you. And they're all... We're all similar offerings um so yeah it's not just us that are here so you can uh, search for us all on our facebook pages you can um email people you can look at our websites mm-hmm. um, i think there would be boats that have got i think the minute we're all sat there waiting to find out when are we going to start what and then yeah. what that means so for you know like we were supposed to be starting in the middle of april um and until we know a date, we don't know what what our guests that maybe aren't going to get to come when they're supposed to come, whether they're going to want to move to later or whether we're going to, you know, there's there's a there's a bit of a working out what we're going to do with everybody. But there'll be there will be spaces this year, or then there'll be spaces that people will be booking into next year as well. So you don't have to, you know, you could have time to get back in the water. Yeah, I think um, you could contact anybody. Yeah, and, uh, come visit Scapa. Yeah, right yeah. next year or this year. Well, why not, Ian? I think we should just get you booked in. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, get the book out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. So road trip. I feel a road trip coming on. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's a way to see. You know, the United Kingdom is big, and it's a way to see it. And we won't be jumping on a plane. So no, this year it's all going to be about UK diving, and you know, get you know, getting in the water where there's inland waters coastal waters coming up to see you you know it's going to be about uk diving this year and probably next year as well um yeah indeed 
oh, that's my husband's just walked down the ladder. I don't know if you saw him. <laughs> He's, a, he's, on, he's on the way to get his COVID jab. So oh, is he? <laughs> so all the dive boats, are you, are you all pretty? You all get on really well, do you? Oh, we're all absolutely best friends. No, <laughs> yeah. no I think there's healthy competition here, but Scapa's um, Scapa's a, a really good, this is going to sound really strange, but it's a really good place to have a problem. Mm. But generally, you're never out there on your own. It's a relatively small, you know, the wrecks are all pretty close together. So... Well, we'll we will um, spread out and we'll all talk to each other on the radio and you know take that into account so that we're not all trying to dive on the same wreck at the same time and give the wrecks you know space to the guests. But it means there's, there's always somebody about if there's a problem. So if there's like a proper diver emergency, you know, generally you've got backup. Whether it's mm -hmm. another boat that can come and pick up your diver, so you can. So yeah, we would all help each other out in a problem, 100%. Good. That's the way it should be, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah. So it's come to that time of the podcast right. where you get to sing us a song. No, 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 no singing songs today. But aren't you in like one of the places they like all their singing? And yeah, yeah, Shane. In fact, isn't that the um, something in the chart number one at the moment? Shanty song or something? No, no singing up with, today. Up with the uh, modern songs. <laughs> Ian, it's not happening today. Yeah, I can start us off. <laughs> no, when you're on the boat, we can have a sing song one you hear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, funny. So, are you on any social media as well? You said about your obviously you've got your website. Are you on? You said Facebook. Facebook page. So there's a there is a Scapa 100 Facebook page which will share lots of bits and pieces about Scapa that are not like directly one business focused mm -hmm. and then all of the businesses have their own um facebook page so as as is mb husky and divers lodge um and then um i'm on instagram i'm trying to be better at social media i keep showing pictures on instagram um brilliant thank all you right. very much yeah, right. thank you very much okay thank we'll you. see you very soon well we will i think next year definitely okay thank you very much to emily for um giving us that time and uh really great you know really positive message and um, a few surprises there i believe yeah well i thought it was going to be more like history but it was great to know more about the actual experience of what I, well, I did when I, you know, when uh, I spoke to Emily before this, one of the things I said to Emily was, let's not get too bogged down with the whole wrecks because the wrecks have been covered quite a lot, uh, Emily. And if you are interested in the wrecks and you want to know more, you only got to go to Emily's website um, where there's plans, there's details, you can get really into the data you know if you want to get nerdy about it there is all the information on there and i didn't want us to get too deep on that because you know we want to talk about why go there for the art you know go there to actually have a holiday there on the island there's other stuff to do as well yeah and she described like the the history very simply so that we just yes. had it in a nutshell so it's great yeah so um so yeah yeah you know there's good reason to go to Scapa 
um, you know, even when you're quite a new diver, you know, but make contact first. Yeah, yeah, get booked in and say what your levels are. But yeah, yeah I think it shows it's completely accessible to divers. It's You don't yeah. have to be a technical diver, you can do it, so. Yeah, there'll be aspects you can't do if you're not into, you know, the deep stuff, you know, there will be, but you know, you can, the thing to do is like, look at it as a whole and that you can go there, you can have some good diving, don't matter how deep, you can have a good dive when you just, you know, a few meters deep. Yeah. You still have a good dive, you'll see wildlife, you'll see, you know, good visibility, there's still the, the block ships you can have a dive in, and, and they do open water dives there, you know, yeah. and uh, there, there is that to it as well. And you can, there's places you can stay, um, there's places you can visit, uh, you know, there's lots of history with nothing to do with boats. There's loads of history on the island. So, um, you know, there's even stuff for kids to do as well with yeah. um, rock climbing and uh, there's a rock climbing wall. There's all sorts of bits and pieces. But the Orkney.com is a really good website to go to. There's loads uh, of stuff on there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah. 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 So uh, plan that trip. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even realise they did like liverboard kind of trips. Yeah, they're much bigger boats, much bigger boats. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so you can something get, yeah. completely different. If you don't want to, well, if you don't want to jump on a plane this year, I'd head up to the Orkney Islands and jump on a liverboard there. Yeah, yeah. And the let's talk about the West Coast. Because if you go to the, the West Coast of Scotland, if you wanted to have a real road trip, um, you can have time there and you there's chances of seeing uh whale sharks mm. yeah and you can, uh snorkeling sharks as well Snorting sharks yeah so all sorts yeah yeah there's a lot to offer in this country there is yeah uk is really good really good for uh for diving in fact didn't somebody say that diving in the uk is a bit like diverse diverse yeah that's the word that's the word i was looking for diverse yeah. There's bits, of, you know, every coast, there's something different to see. Well, and there's the inland sites as well. So we've got lakes, quarries. So. Yeah. But anyway, thank you very much to Emily. Uh, this has been a really good episode once again. If you listen to us on Patreon, thank you very much for supporting us. And, uh, you know, there's free ways to support us as well by subscribing to the uh, podcast, the Big Scuba podcast, and so giving us a rate and review, and um, give us some feedback. Yep, and then obviously head over to the YouTube channel and watch what's the content on there. And yep, subscribe, comment. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, there's the bat phone. Let me just remind you of the bat phone. We um, there's a really good place where you can leave your messages. That number is plus forty four. Seven eight one zero double o five nine two four. Yes, well done. So, um, uh, leave your messages, queries, and questions, feedback. We always love feedback. Don't forget, we've got Roz going to be with us on the next episode. Uh, when it's just me and Jem chatting away about all sorts of news and whatever scuba diving at the time. Um, and Roz will be joining us for that to field your questions yes so any questions you've got send them in and then we'll put them on the list to put to rules to answer yeah certainly will and also if you are in business 
and you have got something really great and it's environmentally friendly, you know, we have already teamed up with a lovely fourth element. Others are in the pipeline. And um, but yes, Paralins, Blue O2, you know, there's things coming in, coming shortly. So do get in contact and we'll be sharing about your companies as well. Yeah. Or if you know of anybody that's got a company that you think we should know about, then send us a message. Tell us what their Instagram account or their Facebook pages or a bit about the company. So if they need a bit of a help to get started. Yeah. Yeah. Big Scuba is open for business as always. So um, do that. OK. I think that's us covered. And yeah. uh, that was really great. Totally enjoyed that. And I look forward to sharing that with everybody. And I think um, time for Feel Good Friday and relax for the rest of the evening. Yeah, sun's out, blue sky. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Don't forget to keep fit over the course of the coming days and dive fitness and all that. And we will speak to you all soon. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. And uh, we'll speak to you on the next one. Cheerio. <laughs> thanks for listening to the podcast. We are not affiliated with any agency or organisation and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. If you wish to make any comments about this episode, then please do contact us via email or our social media platforms that are listed in the episode show notes. Alternatively, you can send us a message or voice message via WhatsApp on the Big Scuba Bat Phone and the number is plus four four seven eight one zero. 005924. We will always respond promptly and thank you once again for downloading this episode.